Good morning, everyone. So that was uh, Rick and Diana Wilson. They're min- missionaries of ours, and uh, they were here not too long ago. And uh, they've got some really exciting things happening in Kenya. So continue to pray for them uh, and, and their ministry there. Welcome to Harmony Baptist Church. Great to see everyone this morning. I'm going to invite you now to, to stand with us. And uh, we are going to open up uh, in our time of worship with a song about the grace of God and, and the fact that it is sufficient for us. Your grace is enough.
Amen. So we're going to be hearing more about uh, King David this morning. And uh, he went through some tough times, some tribulations, and uh, made some really bad decisions. But uh, a couple, through all that, he always, he was always conscious and always focused on the fact that God was involved in moving in his life. And, and you know, in, in times when we're in trouble, we're like, oh, we got we to gotta respond this way. We got to respond this way. David sought the Lord. And if you read throughout the Psalms, you know, there, there's so many Psalms that he wrote where he's like, God, I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. They're coming at me. They're coming to get me. There's always, but I trust you. But I know, I know that you're here. Um, as the song we're about to sing says, when the darkness closes in, still I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So join us as we sing, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, when I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to pray. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glory. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name.
seated. Uh, our uh, Kingdom Kids Children's Church Ministry is in full swing, and I'm going to invite them right now to uh, head right at, out there between uh, behind Mr. Whittle there, ages three to third grade. Look at him go. As they go, I've just got a few announcements. There you go, Luke. Make sure the riffraff gets out. <laughs> Good night there, adorable. Anyway, um, if you are a guest with us, there's a pouch right in front of you. Inside that pouch is a little card. We would love for you to fill that out and just drop it in the plate as it comes by in a little bit. Um, we'd love to just learn a little bit more about you and welcome you here. Uh, a few announcements. The Benevolence Fund helps many in our congregation and beyond. If you can donate to this fund, please make a notation on your check or place it in one of the donation envelopes located in the pouch in front of you. Joe and Cheryl Barra will be starting up their marriage group in the beginning of October, second and fourth Sundays of each month at 4.30 p.m. See them if you're interested. That's Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Cheryl. So... See them if you're interested. Young at Heart End of Summer Potluck Picnic will be tomorrow, September 18th, 4 p.m. Sign-up sheet in the foyer. We will be making a picture directory for 2018. Guess it's time for my semi-annual haircut. <laughs> we are working with LifeTouch for our photos. Please watch for more information. The Daily Bible. If you're reading the Daily Bible with us, you should currently... This can't be right. Did you do that on purpose, Jody, to mess with me? 54,062. <laughs> 562? Look, you should be on like May 3rd, okay? May 3rd. That's awesome. 54, man, that's a... I don't know if that's canon, but... <laughs> there's a few extra volumes in there. Uh, please see the bulletin for additional uh, announcements. Uh, at this time, I'm going to invite the ushers to come on down, and uh, Pastor Tim is going to lead us in prayer. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Father God, we thank you again just uh, for the opportunity to uh, breathe and to be here. Lord, as we um, seek to give back to your kingdom, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just continue to uh, unite us in spirit and in truth. Lord, as we worship together this morning through our song, through the hearing of your word, and through giving, Lord, that um, uh, it would further your kingdom. Lord, I pray for... Um, our country as we're still reeling in from these disasters and uh, Lord for the impact that our church can have in these areas Lord help us to stay faithful to you help us to stay faithful to your word and uh, just uh, to love each other as you've commanded us to do so uh, Lord, we ask these things in your name and commit this time into your hands amen amen we're gonna try a uh, 
a new song. As the plate comes by, we're going to invite you to stand with us. Uh, it's a pretty simple song. It's called You Are My Peace. And uh, please join us as we sing.
guys staying up there today? You'll be back. I was just worried because I don't want to feel like Andy Stanley or anything, you know, always has the choir behind him, you know. Someone's picking their nose and you're not paying attention. I hate when that happens. Uh, Did I hear a comment about my attire? Yes, I decided to get a job at the university. I thought, um, I, this is in honor of the newlyweds, one who just stood up to get congratulated right there, Mr. and Mrs. Vega Crawley. This was the wedding attire of the day during the solar eclipse, by the way. There's no connection, just thought I'd tell you. So, um, if you have your own Bible, I would like you to turn in it. We're actually going to use pages. Old school. (gasps) Pages. If you don't have one, take one of the black ones out of the chair in front of you, find one, and turn to page 552. And I want you to just hold it open, because at the right time we're going to read from it. Uh, I'll tell you later. So let me mention a couple of things. One was about the bow tie, so we got that out of the way because somebody had to say something. And um, the second one was, uh, if you have Q&A that I never answered, please forgive me. Oh, listen to the groans out there. Okay. But if you want to send them again, I may do them here, or if not, I will try to answer you privately. You know what I mean? So give you an answer. I hate not answering questions that people have about the Bible, because that's one of the things I can do pretty well. So I want to help you with that. Number three, we're in the daily Bible together. For those of you who are visiting, you saw some, well, you saw some confusion about what page we're on today, but uh, we are reading through the Bible together, which is a great exercise for a church, and uh, so we've mostly been so far in the Old Testament, and I'm trying to lift some principles out of that, and that's why we're working our way through. And I'm in the life of David, and no, Jess, it's not because uh, there's a good sermon series at another church, and I'm not saying where, because you won't come back. So anyway, uh, it's because David's life is so graphic and such a great illustration on uh, Leadership principles, spirituality, walking in humility with God, which we want to talk a little bit about today. One last thing I have to say just before we launch into the Word together, and that is I have a tremendous apology to make. I'm not making it today, but no. When I, when I first got hired on the MLT Uh, gave me a challenge and said, all your movie clips are too old. (laughs) 
I just haven't had enough time to go to enough movies yet to catch up with some newer movie clips and movie illustrations. Can you forgive me? Yes. Got two non-Christians in the room. I heard them say no. The rest of you are probably okay. All right. The title again this week is uh, Worship Wars, and, and really what we've been doing this morning is worshiping, only today it's Revenge of the Sarks. Those of you who are um, Star Wars fans will recognize the stolen title, but anybody know what the Sarks is? See, I, I mean, I know this is a mystery because even my wife said, what is that? And she's been married to me a long time. No. Oh, Lord. Okay. Dr. Seuss. It's the Greek word for the flesh. Sarks. All right? The Greek word for the flesh, which is a word that is used by the Apostle Paul to refer to not just physical flesh, but the inclination that we have to be naughty. Anybody discover that about yourselves? You have an inclination? Anybody self-deceived doesn't want to raise their hand? All right, so we all have it, right? We'll, we'll talk later, brother. I'll, I'll counsel you. So that's where it comes from, right? And David's life is a great illustration of the redemptive work of God. In fact, he's a model, if you will. And from his family line comes the ultimate Messiah, the Redeemer, Jesus He's called when he's healing people, the son of David. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And so uh, there's a direct connection there, but especially by the way he models that thing that we love about David called he had a heart after God, although we don't always understand what that means. I think today, for the second time, we'll get a little view of it. I must have preached too hard. I drove some people out last week, I think. I was pretty, I was kind of out of control, right? Taco unhinged or something like that. Start a series. Last week, we looked at David's humility, his manifestation of controlling, letting, not letting the flesh rise. What was it? The, um, what did I call it last week? The, the worship wars, the... The flesh awakens. Thank you. Somebody was here. Okay. The flesh awakens. David pushed back on the flesh. Do you remember? He had this phenomenal worship experience. You remember? The phenomenal worship. He was more excited than I was when my truck ran. I told you about that last time. Fantastic. That you remember. Thank you. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway... Um, and he comes home after that uplifting experience of worshiping God, and he gets into a fight with his wife. How real is that, friends, right? Or you get in the fight with your wife on the way to church. But either way, how real is that? And now you behave. And, um, and he pushes back on Michal, remember? He pushes back by saying, in this case... I'm willing to walk in humility in a way that means I may be dishonored or made fun of by people in the world. And it doesn't matter to me. I'll even do worse than this. Because you're preoccupied with status and image, and you're dead wrong, and God looks at the heart. And so I'll push that way. Come on, let's be real about this. Doesn't the world look at us askew sometimes? I mean, you're spending Sunday morning on a beautiful day like this. Where? 
You're reading what book in your spare time? You're, you're giving money to what? I mean, isn't that true? We look odd. And it's going to become more so as time goes on. Nevertheless, uh, we hear the whisper of the enemy kind of saying, you must be an idiot, right? Because that's what the world thinks. The world's going to think you're an idiot. You're not. And neither was David. Today, we want to look at humility that is manifested, not giving into the flesh, but instead of pushing back, by not pushing back. Okay? By not pushing back. So last week I mentioned that our little symbols in our culture for evil are pretty stereotypical, like this one. Now, just one final nod to the Hollywood industry. This is the modern update of it, right? The Sith. And that's where I stole the idea of the Sarks, all right? The point being, do you remember, anybody old enough to remember the cartoons where you had a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the other and they're going back and forth, right? You don't have to admit how old you are here. You don't have to, but that was just kind of a rhetorical question. But yes, we are. I remember it. And even our culture, which has less of a consciousness of sin, would understand the visual of the angel on one side and somebody looks kind of like the Sith or that mask uh, on the other side. Don't do it. No, don't do that. Do it. No, don't do that. Remember that? Isn't that the real world? That's the inner war. And every day there is an inner battle going on to decide who are you going to worship. That's where the worship war is. Am I going to worship myself, my flesh, my appetite, my desire for vengeance? Or am I going to worship Jesus Christ who is of a different spirit than my natural spirit? Does that make sense to anybody, or am I speaking into the air? Like, It makes sense, right? Every day, that is the challenge in front of us. So, we're looking at a passage of Scripture today. Um, it's the story where David is on the run. Let me give you the context, and then what I want to do is turn you to this passage of Scripture. But it won't make as much sense unless we know the story before we read the psalm. And those of you who have been reading the Daily Bible, when you came to this story, this psalm was interposed right there in the story. Here's what's going on. King David, greatest leader, the model of the kingdom to come, if you will, establishes the throne of the Lord for his son Solomon, all of that. This great leader who made a couple of mistakes. Thank you. Where was, uh, where, where, where'd Mike go? Hi, Mike. Glad you're here. Uh, because of some of the blunders he made, one day things get very dark in his reign. His son, his own son. Now, I don't know if you've ever had something like this happen. It does happen. But his own son thinks, I can do a better job running this country. My father is a little bit goofy on a few things, so I'm going to just take matters into my own hands. And he is ready to put his own father to death. And so David has to leave the palace. Now, think about this. Here's the way his day went. 
Uh, number one, here's your pink slip. The security guard's going to walk you to the door, take everything out of your desk, and no, you can't come back in. That was step one. Then he goes home. Guess what? We've got to get out of the house today. If we're not out of the house today, we're getting arrested. And so he has to pack up his family. Everybody's leaving town. He's on his way out of town in this depressed terror, and he's in an old station wagon to boot, you know, on the way. After that great day at work, <laughs> on the way out of town, is someone from Saul's old family. Saul was the last king. He was not a great choice for president. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't. But one of his relatives is still ticked off that David got the kingdom. He's still angry. And so as David and his entourage, he gets the word. Somehow it got on Twitter. I don't know what happened. It got out that David and his family are running for their lives. So he comes out and he sees David's old station wagon and he starts throwing rocks at it and swearing and calling him really dirty names and telling him what he thinks of him as he's going out of town. Abishai, who's the brother of Joab, you remember there were three brothers and they were kind of roughnecks. They really were. They were totally military men. We don't take any baloney. Abishai says, why should this dead dog get away with this? Let me take his head right off. Back then, you didn't have to go to court. You just deal with it. And David's response is, uh-uh. You've got the wrong spirit, Abishai. You need to learn a few things, and we'll look at what else he said in a few minutes. It's in that context that David, that night, exhausted probably, that night probably, sought the Lord, is praying, and the Spirit inspires him to write Psalm 3. And that's where we are today. Psalm 3, page two, uh, 552 in the black Bible from the chair. Psalm 3, a morning prayer of trust in God. Look what it says. Psalm of David when he did what? He fled from Absalom. Just so you know, I'm not making it up. And here it comes. O oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. That means blues rift right there. That, that is what it, that's what it is, right? How, who is the music, guys? Isn't that true? It's volume. It's, a, it's maybe meditate, you know, time to play music and think about what I just said. But you, O Lord, are to shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down, I slept. I awoke, the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Anybody remember this song? There was a, this was done to music years ago. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Anybody remember that? We need to learn that. That's a great one. Isn't it a great one? I've been singing it for two days now because of what I'm preaching on. So if I go off and start singing, sing with me, thank you, so I'm not totally humiliated. All right. 
Here's my outline. For those of you who like to keep notes, the first couple of verses are basically saying, yikes. Yikes. I'm surrounded by enemies. The second few verses say, thanks. You're for me. You're going to help me. And the last section says, help. And we'll unpack the words to each one of those as we go along together. Here's what happened. David is leaving town, and Shimei comes up. I'm going to give you the exact words. Thus Shimei shed... Yeah, shed. Thus... That was a bad one. Thus Shimei said when he cursed, Get out! Get out, you man of bloodshed and worthless fellow, which is a very derogatory word. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. You're getting what you deserved, you dirty rat. And behold, you are taken in your own evil. It's finally come down on your head. You are a man of bloodshed. And I'm sure he said a few other choice things. Have you ever been attacked? Have you ever been misunderstood? <laughs> Some of us. Anyway. You are a man of blood. You know, here's the problem with this attack. There's some truth in it. He did not come against Saul. He is innocent. He's innocent. But one of his generals, I already mentioned roughneck Joab, murdered Abner who was Saul's right-hand chief of staff. Against David's will, behind his back, which is why later David made sure Joab got his. But there's a little truth. He was a man of bloodshed. God had already said, you're not the one to build the temple that is a picture of the kingdom of peace, the prince of peace and all of that. David, uh, your son Solomon will do that, but not you. Yeah, there's some injustices that have happened. How did all of this trouble start? Some of it started when David blew it with Bathsheba. There's a little bit of truth. But what he's being attacked for right now is unjust. It's not true. Been attacked. Or sometimes we're up against uh, not just being attacked, but being misunderstood, misrepresented, point blank lied about. Some people are actually just plain cruel, rude, and mean-spirited. You know, it was in the paper today. It was really great. Um, you know, I think we call them trolls, right? But uh, today in the paper, one of the editors talked about... Um, Keyboard Tourette's. <laughs> Keyboard Tourette's. Do you know what Tourette's is, right? All of a sudden, the person just uncontrollably starts spewing blasphemy, spewing foul language and nastiness. And there are people who get behind their keyboard, and the Tourette's takes over. And we encounter people who take a little bit of truth and go for our juggler. How do I respond to that? They're competing with you for something. They're, they think their rights have been violated. Doesn't care about your rights. First thing is, this is reality, friends. It's just reality. It's the world we live in. We're in a sinful, broken world. And somewhere along the line, someone is going to not be nice to you. 
It's just going to happen. And if you're especially going to try to live for Jesus, you know it's going to happen. Somewhere along the line, someone's not going to be happy with you. They're not going to like you. They don't like bow ties. I mean, something. I was preaching up north one time. I got, we get feedback. You know, I always receive feedback. Anonymous, nasty stuff, throw in the trash. I don't even read it. Just so you know, if you're thinking about it, don't bother. But I get this, your pants are too long. Thank you that you got such a blessing out of church. That was his uh, comment. When I, what's that? How was it? It was, my pants are too long. That was actually my title. No, I'm kidding. This is kind of funny. When I got hired here, uh, this was four years ago. I was, um, I was interim at first. And I'd been here maybe five, six months. And some very unhappy, bitter, shimmy-eye type person from my last church felt called of the Lord to post a, a, um, a, uh, a Harmony website comment about me. I mean, it was a good one, too. They got my name right. And they got the fact that I used to be the pastor at Union Center. They got that right. They got the fact that I had left right. They got an awful lot wrong. And they had jumped to all kinds of stupid conclusions, just spewed out all of this venom. And my, I don't remember, what I don't think, it might have been Dar, I can't remember. But my, was it Jody? No, it wasn't you, it was Dar. She comes in, look at this, you know, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, Interesting. So I took it to the MLT. I said, um, a very concerned citizen feels you need to know this. So here, do you want to present it to the church? Because if you want to get rid of me, here's your chance, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know what? I didn't lose one minute sleep. Not one. How many times do we spend all night wrestling arguing with people. Anybody know what I mean? I'm going to straighten that guy out. Thank you, Kathy. All night I'm wrestling with, I'm straightening him out. What a lot of energy and lost sleep, etc., etc. Of course, I've never had that experience. I'm just assuming some of you have. But I really, you know, I got that and went, yikes. Yikes. But you know what? It's just reality. It just is. The most important thing I can deal with is to make sure my relationship with my Savior is right. And then the rest will sort it out. And so the next portion of this scripture is great. It says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory, the one who lifts up my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice. He answered me from his holy hill, and I went to sleep. That's what it says. I laid down and slept. Even though there's people surrounding me, they want my juggler. It's okay. I awoke because the Lord sustains me. Isn't that cool? So the second thing after yikes is restraint. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for being with me and helping me and granting me restraint. I can actually trust you and I can rest in you I don't have to take retaliative action. 
I don't have to fix this myself. I was, my wife and I were, um, you know, we're very spiritual. I, I just want to point it out. So we, we like to watch spiritual videos. So we were watching the original Star Trek series. And uh, in what, boy, I'm telling you, it, it's, uh, yeah, I have a sixth sense of humor, sorry. Anyway, we're watching one where, where Captain Kirk is arguing with a man who is in a mental institution. I'm thinking, now, how bright is this? Yeah, I won't say what kind of wits. And so I'm watching the entire film, and I'm like, why hasn't anybody called him on this yet? You're arguing with someone who's certifiably out of his mind, and you think you're going to win this argument. Well, that's almost what it's like when you're trying to Facebook fight people. Forget it! Just die to it! Or whatever other issues. What are they thinking about me? Oh, I just had a recent one, too, that I... You know, Lord, you're the one who sustains me. Physical and even verbal restraint is a mark of walking in the spirit. Of not letting the sarks get its revenge. Maybe you remember that Jesus was falsely accused. Anybody ever read that? There's something about that in the Gospels, like four times. He was falsely accused... And the scripture tells us this. I'm not putting it on the screen. In Matthew 27, he's in front of Pilate. Pilate's hearing all these accusations from the leaders of the people. And he says, don't you hear what they're saying? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? Don't you want to defend yourself? Don't you want a lawyer? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge so that the governor was quite amazed. Okay, another confession. As a man, there are some chick flicks I like. All the men in the room just went, I'm done with this guy. But anyway, one that I really, I have to like, I do like some of the, like, Sense and Sensibility. They are, right? Oh, please, be quiet. And uh, anybody ever see Pride and Prejudice or read the book, Right? All right, at least there's a couple of fans in the room. The rest of you, I'll call you back in a minute, all right. (laughs) Mr. Darcy is completely misunderstood and misrepresented and trashed, trashed continually behind his back, right? And he's like this everywhere. Not exactly full of the joy of the Lord, but he's stoic. Never says a word. Now, for a person who talks a lot, in many words, there is sin, the Bible says. I'm always getting myself in trouble that way. He's my hero. I look at that and I go, isn't that amazing? Could care less what everybody says. I'm just keeping my nose to the grindstone. And at the right time, if circumstances allow, the truth will come out. And boy, does it ever. Boy, does it ever. He was not at all the snotty, self-centered, whatever else people were calling him. And he got Kara Knightley to marry at the end. How, how cool is that? If I control... Anyway, so there you go. He didn't answer him to a single charge. See, our problem is we just want to jump up and say, but me, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's our problem. 
It's, it's like so hard to resist, isn't it? John Artberg in the book, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. <laughs> I'm waiting, but I'm not ordinary. So anyway, ordinary people. Talking about the whole issue of the grace of humility and how hard it is not to defend or point out where we stand, whatever it happens to be. Richard Foster, he's quoting in it. Don't let that throw you off. It's still a good principle here. Some people have attitudes about some of these names. More than any other single way the grace of humility has worked into our lives is through the discipline of service. Listen to this. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. But get this. Nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. Oh, I want you to know that I did this secret almsgiving. Did you get, you didn't connect the dots. I did this secret almsgiving. I want you to know. Okay, skip that one anyway. Isn't that true? I mean, it, it takes, it almost takes like, I'm not going to give in. Not going to give in. This book, um, The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian, talks about some of this, this issue of brokenness and learning to walk in humility. If I can just find the right uh, spot. This must be it. Here it is. Simply means walking in humility and walking in death to self and stop worrying about what everybody thinks. Can I just reiterate? This doesn't mean I don't give a hoot what you think, stupid. That's not what it's like. That's not a humble spirit. Some of us have that and we're darn proud of it. Really should repent of it. Okay, that's not the spirit of humility. But it simply means that the hard, unyielding self, which justifies itself, wants its own way, wants to justify itself, wants to explain, stand up for its rights and seek its own glory, at last bows its head to God's will, admits its wrong, gives up its own way to Jesus, surrenders rights and discards its own glory that the Lord Jesus might have all and be all. I was recently challenged personally with an issue that matters to me that somebody else actually pulled off. They actually did something that I think should be done. It's a good thing, and it matters to me, and they did it, and I didn't. Oh, man, what am I going to do for my press release? Spirit gave me a wonderful victory. It's like, you know what? All that matters is that Jesus gets his will done. It doesn't matter who does it. Who gets the credit? Some, some old preachers have said that a long time ago. If we could just get past not worrying about who gets the credit, it's amazing what we could get done. Ma'am. Yeah, I'm really confused, aren't I? No. Not, we should care not in the sense that... Um, my, what I was referring to in, in right now was not having an attitude that says, I don't care what you think, as in, you're all jerks. 
and I'm right. That's what I'm talking about. Not that. But what happens too often for us as believers, we're preoccupied with everybody else's opinion of us. And that botches up our personal spiritual life. We can't enjoy freedom. In other words, what, I, what matters to me is, do I know that I'm walking in rightness before God? I had a recent experience where I had interacted with some other brethren. It's out of this church, by the way. It's not here. And I was sure, oh, I'll bet you they've got this idea about me, this idea about me, this idea about me. No one ever feels like this, do you? Uh, they, they have, without a doubt, come to this conclusion. They think I'm this way, I'm that way. What does my flesh want to do? I want to call them up right now and say, I know you're thinking this, but that's how I... See what I mean? And so the Spirit had to settle me down, and my wife and I were together, and we're praying against this. Ah, much better. Thank you, Lord, right? The revenge of the flesh. And it should be obvious for believers that physical vengeance is not in order. Now... I thought I shouldn't have to say that, but then I realized maybe I do have to say that because some people, they're so used to their old lifestyle and this is the way I used to take care of everything. I had a friend of mine and was mentoring me when I was in seminary and he told me a story about my home church because it ended up that he came from the same church down in Flushing, New York. And there was a time when there was some real tension between the congregation and the pastor. Can you imagine that? But it actually happened. This is a true story. There was tension. And one guy was shaking hands at the door with the pastor as they were going out. And this guy started ripping into that pastor, dressing him down. Probably a little shimmy-eye event. Know what I mean? My brother had a, I think it was either his brother or a close friend or relative, who was a newer believer... And he saw this happening, and he knew that his pastor was God's servant, and he just went, what? And he went up and pow, knocked the guy right over. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, um, my friend grabbed him and said, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do He said, no, I was reading in the Proverbs yesterday. Whatever your right hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You guys don't have enough fun in your life. You need to get uh, physical. Jesus said to his disciples when, when Peter jumped up and cut the ear of the high priest's uh, servant off because he was going to protect his master, Jesus' response is, put your sword up. Don't you understand that I can call my father right now? I don't need a cell phone. All I have to do is say, help, and 10,000 angels will come and wipe these people out. Don't you trust God? That's our problem. We don't. That's our problem. Is he sovereign and is he good? David, I think, is manifesting such a gracious spirit at this moment because he's made some mistakes in the past. One other story. So he was running from Saul for his life with his band of men, his little army. They would run from hiding place to hiding place to hiding place. And they ended up in this one area where there was a lot of sheep farming. It was a good spot. They were well hidden. And the sheep farmers, because David was a just man, um, their sheep and cattle or whatever, David's men would sometimes protect them from either thieves or from 
wild animals, he would stand in the gap. And he's done this for, I don't know, six months, something like that. They've had a good relationship. All the, all the shepherds were friends with David's men, and they all got along. And one day, he's in hardship, and he needed some food. And so he sends to this man, Nabal, whose name means fool. Hey, could we come over for a hot lunch just once? You know, we've been with you all this time. We've taken care of your guys. You haven't lost one sheep on our watch. Could you help us out this time? And Nabal, being as he was, who are you, jerk? Get lost. David goes, okay, guys, get your swords. Get your 357. Put it in your pocket. Let's go. Anybody know that story? It was, I think you've read it already, right? They get on their horses, off they go. They're heading on the way, and his wife interposes. She brings a big spread, little sterno things, everything set up, you know, <laughs> all set up. And David says, oh, what's this? And she falls on her face. Please forgive my husband. You know what? His name, that's what he is. Here's David's response. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed be your discernment. Blessed be you. You have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. It would have been a terrible, terrible choice. I was, you know, even he was not in the spirit all the time, just like us. And God sent somebody to cut him off before he made a huge mistake. See, self-vindication is usually a blunder. Taking up for the, the rights of others who are being abused is usually a healthier thing. Not always, but usually healthier. But when it's all about you, not that it's never right, because it is. About 90% of the time, we're in the wrong camp trying to justify or vindicate ourselves. And in that story, whoops, I don't want to go there yet. The end of the story, Abishai says, this dead dog, why is he swearing? Why? We've got, you know, hasn't this been a bad day? I mean, you got fired at work. You had to empty your house. You're running for your life. Things are just not good. The stock market crashed that day. It was bad. And this guy standing, making my misery worse. Let me just take his head off. Wouldn't that feel good? Yeah, baby. David says this, seven and eight. Oh, by the way, what's the last answer, right? The answers are reality. It's just the way it is. People are mean. Two, restraint. That's what we need. Three, there's some reflection in this passage. I'm going to show you. Help, Lord, help. Arise, O Lord, save me, my God, for thou hast smitten my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Bless your people. Here's the reflection. Abishai says, let me take his head off. David says, boy, are you missing it. How, what have I to do with you, sons of Zeruiah? You're always rash. You're always doing something aggravating. If he curses and the Lord has told him, curse David, then who shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, behold, my own son who came out from me seeks my life. How much more this Benjamite who used to be in the blessed camp because the king's family probably had tax benefits. You know what I mean? 
and now he's the loser. How much more should he be mad? By the way, doesn't, doesn't Zeruiah sound a little like the disciples that followed Jesus around when they wouldn't let him in a certain town? And James and John said, hey, Lord, they're, they're turning you away. You're the greatest preacher that ever lived. Should we call down fire from heaven? And they're all proud of themselves. You know, like, well, we, you know, we've learned a little bit about miracles. You want us to destroy them with a comet? Ooh. Anybody remember David's response? Anybody? Uh, not David. Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus now. That was New Testament. Anybody remember? You don't know what spirit you're of. You, you got the whole thing wrong. I'm not here to kill people. I'm here to just to bring them to life eternal, and you're missing the point. And that's what David is saying to the sons of Zeruiah. You're missing the point. But here's the best part. Whoops, what happened? Let him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him. Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. What is David saying? Maybe I'm not all that good. Maybe I deserve some of this. You know, when you're in that kind of a state, you start to scratch your head. I've been there more times than I want to be. Whoa, maybe I deserve this. Maybe, wow, what did I do, Lord? Maybe I deserved it. I don't know. Maybe I asked for it. Maybe I'm not so good. Some of what he said is true about me. Maybe these are some of the consequences. Maybe there's some point God is making here. I'm open. I'm listening. I'm not going to return evil on this guy's head, even though he deserves it in an absolute sense. He does deserve it. But I'm going to wait on God and see if he'll notice my misery. And because I'm restraining myself, a heart after God, are you getting it? I'm not allowing the sarks to get its revenge because I'm choosing to restrain myself maybe God will notice and he'll return blessing on me do you think God did? oh yes he did he restored his kingdom and by the way Shimei got his at the end I don't have time to tell you that story David walked in humility I'm just one of the peeps here I'm a sinner like everybody else and I need mercy I need grace I need help to live for God every day. Brothers and sisters, are you listening to me? You need grace every day. In order to manifest the nature of Jesus, not strut, think I'm better. Look, it doesn't matter. Let me get my list here. As powerful as I am, David says, as mature as I think I am, as important as I think I am, as well-read as I think I am, as cool dresser as I think I am, as hard-working as I am, whatever it is that I think I've got it together, I need grace to manifest the nature of Jesus or the sarks will get its revenge. So one of the pictures of mercy that we don't deserve is at this table. So I'm going to ask my brother Derek to come, and I'm going to ask you to quiet your hearts for just a couple of minutes. Look inside. Are you able to rest, to lay down and sleep in spite of all the jabber on Twitter? Because thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. 
my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. And you're the one who will set things straight in the end. Quietly pray for a minute and then Derek will lead us to the table, which is a great picture of mercy and grace. Bye. 
we've just sung and we sung hasten the day when my faith will be sight we're not saying I want to die tomorrow but you know it is well with myself it's okay because Jesus has made it okay I am not okay in myself we've heard this this morning <clears throat> many people that we've heard from this morning uh, in our story they missed the point they're trying to get revenge. It's all on me, my image. We can't have that happening to you. You've missed the point. And this morning, <clears throat> we look at the bread and the wine, and they're here to make the point and to make sure that we don't miss it. That, like David, we may have a heart after God. I hope we have. But... We blow it. We blow it. We get it wrong. We make mistakes. And maybe there's a Shimei being throwing dirt at you and saying, hey, I curse you. You may not have shed blood, literally, but you got it. And maybe there's some truth in that. Because there was some truth in what he was saying to David. So David had to say, leave him alone. Maybe God's told him to do this. Maybe this is something I need to, le to learn. And maybe there's truth in some of the stuff that you hear. Maybe it's exaggerated. Maybe it's warped. Maybe it's the evil one can get hold of it and magnify it and become something that it's not. <clears throat> but the bread and the wine make the point. 
And as we heard just now from Pastor John, we need help. We need grace. We need God's riches poured upon us because in ourselves we're bankrupt. And praise the Lord, we're here to take the bread and the wine, not to persuade him to bestow his grace upon us, but because he has bestowed his grace upon us, because Jesus has died, because Jesus showed restraint. He didn't call those legions of angels. He went through and his body was broken because of his grace, because we needed help and this was the only way we could receive help. He shed his blood, the sacrifice for sin, so that we might be forgiven. This is the point, friends. Not that I've got it together, not that I'm trying to pull my socks up, not that I go to church every week, that I'm two weeks ahead in the daily Bible reading and I go to the prayer meeting and I, I, I run the junior church or I run the food pantry or I run a home group or Harmony Helpers or whatever, or the school or whatever. No, that's not the point. The point is that you and I are in need of God's grace and all this other stuff falls to the side in comparison with the grace of God that we need in our lives, the grace of God that we celebrate. So as we come in a moment, and this morning, I'm going to ask you to come up to receive. The servers will be here in a moment, and they'll be standing here, and you come up to receive. Uh, I think we normally come up the middle aisle and then down the sides, so we have a sort of one-way system. To get the point afresh, to get the point The point is that the body of Jesus was given for us. The point is that Jesus shed his blood. And we are here to proclaim that, to proclaim his death, to proclaim his resurrection, to proclaim that it is well with my soul, but not because of me, but because of him, to proclaim that one day, yes, my faith will become sight. I can't wait for that day in one sense. Okay, I'm quite, I don't want to go yet. I've got things to do. I've got people. But wow, I know where I'm going. Fantastic celebration. I'm going to stop. We've had a sermon already, sorry. <laughs> so, we could, uh, if we could have the servers come up, please. <clears throat> Thank you. Now, one of our servers, Angela, will be serving the musicians in the nursery, and the other four will be here. So, if you'd like to come a bit nearer, that's it. So, Janine, you go over there with, with Angie. That's it. Great. <clears throat> Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, what we're about to do does not earn us a salvation. It's because you have given us salvation. We want to celebrate that. And we want to get the point again because we so often lose the point. We lose the plot. We get so tied up with everything else that we need to stop and remember what it's all about. And we thank you that the bread and the wine are here to remind us. Thank you for your body, that you allowed yourself to be abused, killed. You didn't fight back. You showed that restraint. You knew you could call those angels to your aid. You could help yourself, but if you helped yourself, you couldn't have helped us. And we are in need, we stand in need of your grace. And we thank you that there's more grace than we need, as we've already sung this morning, because you're a gracious God. So, Lord, we give you praise and thanks 
we take this bread, we eat it in remembrance of you. Amen. So when you come up, if you take a piece of bread and eat it straight away, then take a cup, keep the cup, take the cup back to your place, okay? And then we will drink together when we've all been served. So eat the bread as, you, as soon as you get it, but take the cup back with you and they'll both be here in a moment.
Some of the words of that song, one line that, well, there's all sorts of lines in that song that really get me. Jesus commands my destiny. Jesus commands my destiny. That grave was empty. The stone was rolled away. There was nobody there. He is not in death. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not dead. He is risen. And as we drink this wine, we celebrate his sacrifice. We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate his coming again. We celebrate that he commands our destiny. We celebrate that one day our faith will become sight. So let's drink together and rejoice. So, Father, we want to give you praise and thanks, Lord, that you have saved us. We could not save ourselves. Lord, we desperately need your grace day by day, and we thank you that you provide that. We need your help. Without your salvation, we are lost. But thank you that we can confidently say that you command our destiny. Thank you that we can confidently say that one day our faith will become sight because it's not saying anything about us. It's saying everything about you. And you are the one who is complete. You are the one who are perfect. You are the one, Lord, who has conquered sin and death. And you have risen to new life. And in you we have risen up. And one day we will see you. We celebrate that this morning. We give you praise and we give you thanks. And now, Lord, be with us. May the rest of this day be a time of fellowship with whoever we're with. May it be a time of rejoicing and knowing you afresh in our lives. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>